When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the forum, the show where we learn more about Husker Nation, one fan at a time, by asking the same four questions. I'm your host, Honky, and our guest tonight represents uh, the tail end of the millennials. Not, he's not a Gen Zer. I called him that earlier, and he was like, "No, I'm, I'm in the millennial generation still." But uh, that's kind of a missing segment still from the forum up to this point. We want some younger people on, and uh, but he's just old enough to have attended a national championship game under Coach Osborne, but not remembering much more from that uh, from the To era. He's a thinking man's idiot with mediocre takes on Nebraska sports aplenty, and he swears that knee brace ball will one day become a thing. Welcome to the forum, Jason from Huskerland. All right, perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Hawk, for that introduction. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I don't mean, normally get too – it was just weird to like uh, – well, yeah, like I uh, said, uh, you know, it was uh, – it's great to have a uh, Gen Z Husker fan or whatever, and I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of new to me, but oh, well, I'm not too hung up on it. But no. yeah, I, I feel like I fit that gap um, where you say, you know, where I just got a tiniest taste of, you know, Nebraska football greatness before it was, you know, cruelly ripped away. <laughs> cruelly uh, stripped away from all of us. But uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, in your Twitter bio, and when, it, when I said that yeah, mediocre takes a plenty, that's in your Twitter bio. But no, uh, no. I thought you had a fabulous thread last night here. And actually, I need to bring this up. And of course, I didn't have it ready on me here, but right here. Uh, last night, you had a great Twitter thread. We're going to get into it, I think, a little bit later. But just in general, it, it really kind of broke down what it meant to be a fan. And as you were typing that out, I mean, what what was kind of going through your head when you were thinking through that? It's kind of just things that, have, you know, I, I see kind of the, the guy I was responding to was normally I, I try to avoid responding to, you know, some of the haters and trolls, but you know, it was kind of one of those things where it was a culmination of I've seen responses like that. And it's kind of um, a culmination of just thoughts I've had for, you know, for months and just never really sat down and typed out before. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of, you know, just, you know, was in the zone, was kind of feeling it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of a thing I've said in the past is that at times it's definitely felt like there are people who are a little more addicted to their, you know, to the righteousness of like feeling like they're right, as opposed to actually seeing, you know, the program succeed. They'd rather sometimes cheer for a coach to lose than actually, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, especially if they feel like it's going south. Um, they'd rather see the coach, you know, lose or get fired um, just so they can say they're right rather than, you know, um, hope that the coach figures it out, turns it around. Um, and you know, I, I think I said in the thread too, like I, I'm not against having the opinion that someone should be fired. I've had that opinion myself sure. sometimes. There have been times where I've given up on coaches personally, but it's not my decision to make that call. And it never, you know, presumably <laughs> will be my uh, my decision. So it's really, uh, hmm. you know, I can think, the, think I want this coach fired or that coach fired, but at the end of the day that's not going to change anything they're still going to be the coach regardless of what i think and i would rather see that coach figure it out while they're still coach um and get the ship righted um rather than say i was right and then if uh, someone like trev alberts or any other athletic director decides time to pull the plug um whether i agree with it or not that's what's going to happen so then i just hope you know the next guy yep. figures it out and i'm going to be supporting him until you know but either he has great success or, uh, or until the bitter end. Yeah. Well, and that's what being a fan's about. And that's what the fan wow. forum is about is that at the end of the day, you know, we've been through winning cycles and losing cycles. You still want your team to do well. There's always chances to improve. There's things that can always happen. Just, 
you, you never want to give up as a fan. And that's just, I think that we're going to get to what you talked about last night in that thread in a little bit, but um, I just think it was a, it was a really good uh, way to kind of get it kicked off. But before we really kick this thing off, let's go through a couple of our uh, promotions here. And we have alumni hall, two locations, downtown 1120 P street and South point pavilions behind Barnes and Noble. Uh, next up, we have a couple of upcoming uh, uh, fan forums. The Boys Down Bad podcast, a Herd at Sports podcast. It's going to be on next Wednesday. They might be officially Gen Z guys. I, I'll have to check with them, uh, Jason. But uh, officially, you know, we're trying to get, again, a little bit of a youth movement on this. Uh, you know, it's not just all about, uh, you know, people my age and older. So uh, uh, that's kind of what the fan forum is about, too, getting people from all different generations and, and experience. Uh, and then after that, uh, two weeks from now, Wednesday, May 24th at 8 p.m., we have Happy Chris, Chris Pearson, GI, the happiest Husker fan on Twitter. So he'll be joining us. Uh, Pipeline Jerky, you can go to pipeline-jerky.com, use RedCast at checkout, you get 10% off. Go there, that's NIL for money for the uh, the pipeline. Let's rebuild the pipeline. And let's also rebuild the RedCast here at our new RedCast store. It's not even new anymore, but we still put that out there. QR code. You can find it in our description. Get in all the good swag shirts, sweatshirts, koozies. All right. What is the forum? Well, we ask the same four questions to all everyone that's on it here. Why are you a Husker fan? What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Who are your all-time favorite Huskers? And how do you think the Huskers will do next year? And so with that, Jason, question number one, why are you a Husker fan? Well, I think I'm going to give a very similar answer to a lot of people and that I was born into it. But when I say I was born into it, I mean, I was born into a family absolutely, you know, obsessed with uh, Nebraska football. Um, you know, it's like, you know, we treated, you know, Saturdays as if they were holidays, you know, you know, my uh, family always had season tickets. Um, and then every road game, you know, we would you know, put out, you know, food all over the bar, like, you know, like it's a big watch party, even if it was just, uh, you know, our family watching, you know, we travel to road games, one game, um, like one road game every single year. So I grew up going to, you know, games at K-State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, et cetera. You know, I've tried to keep that tradition going in the Big Ten. I've been to most of the Big Ten stadiums now as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we, uh, I was privileged enough, as you alluded to earlier, to actually uh, see, Yep, and I those are the photos I submitted not not the greatest photos are a little grainy, but that's me at the uh, 1998 Orange Bowl, Tom Osborne's last game, um, which was I am 99% sure it was my first ever game as a uh, period that I ever went to. I was uh, three years old, so I don't remember a thing about it. But there I was. I fell asleep in the third quarter. It was such a blowout, you know. Fell asleep, <laughs> but I actually found this as well. Um, my uh, little hoodie from the 98 Orange Bowl. I think it, Ooh, I don't think it nice. still fits anymore, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if you can see my name written there, right there. There you go. <laughs> I actually found that buried deep down somewhere for this. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I've actually been privileged to go to two national championship games as well, because my family went to the um 2002 rose bowl as well our last national title appearance oh, i actually do okay. remember that one unfortunately um, <laughs> um i think actually that uh, banner right there in the background is uh my souvenir from that game uh -huh. i don't know if you can actually read that or not this is national championship game january 3rd 2002 yeah you know and i so, have one of those geez it's on the other side of the uh it's on the other side of the basement but yeah i have that same one too as well um yep. This was a, a tweet I also grabbed from you from a while back. And uh, it was, I don't know if this is you at Halloween or whatever, but you're dressed up as Judd Davies. And uh, that was, a, you know, a, an ode to the fullback. Yep. Um, yeah, that was uh, the, I, I call that my the first jersey I ever owned. But um, it's, yeah, it's more of a costume. I think it was for Halloween or something like that. But I think I wore it more than just on Halloween as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I probably... I don't really quite remember, but I probably dressed up in that in uh, um, for game days maybe as well. <laughs> mm. Well, you so. know, one of the things I, I talk with uh, all the, the people that have been on this is I'll ask them kind of what is your formative year of Husker football? For me, it was, it was 1983. I was born 77, so I was about six years old, and pretty much I remember every season since. Uh, you were saying I think you're, you're a mid-'90s 
And so, you know, roughly kind of what's the first season where you really remember things kind of start to finish and they really started to formulate uh, your fandom? Um, I'd say the first season I really remember in depth or in any sort of depth is the 2001 season. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had little wispy memories before that, but 2001, I was seven years old. So it's still pretty young, but I remember, uh, several of the games, um, from that era, you know, I remember Judd Davies on that team and then, uh, Eric Crouch, obviously when you Mm -hmm. have a player of that caliber, you know, it kind of, you know, catches your attention as well, especially, you know, I remember watching Eric Crouch when, you know, the ceremony where he won the Heisman, you know, that was a very early memory of mine. And then obviously went to the national title game, didn't go that great but i i remember going there i remember the uh everything before that um um one of the weirdest things from that game was we were uh driving down some street in la or something like that and you know we had our car decked out in husker gear we had you know those like corny little flags that you stick in your window you know mm-hmm. had those so like just very clearly you know nebraska fans driving through and you're driving past some sort of like miami tailgate or something and one of their fans was like, they're like roasting marshmallows or something. And they literally like lit a marshmallow on fire and flung it at our car and it <laughs> smacked straight on the window. And that was kind of my first impression of Miami fans. So that's a, that's a very fair, you know, that's a interesting. I'm my first year is 1983. We have a national or we have a, a Heisman trophy winner that year. We play Miami in the national championship and, yep. and yours is t- 2001. There's, there's some similarities there. And you know, that first year for that being a formative year, what a great season. And you've yeah. got the, the crouch catch against Oklahoma and that great Oklahoma victory. And, um, you know, it really was a, a, a very great season leading up to the la- very end. I mean, and I was in Boulder for that loss against Colorado. And, and honestly, that is, unfortunately for, I guess, you know, what your fandom is and, and what your memories are, that Colorado loss in, in 01 is the the pivot mm-hmm. point. It, there's kind of a before and after of that game and and things have never quite been the same since. Uh, so that, that was a, that's yeah. a real pivotal year in, in Husker football history. And that's what I mean. Nebraska football's dynasty and me were like two ships passing in the night. Like I said, <laughs> at the beginning, I got just a tiny little taste of it right at the beginning. And then it was ripped away from me. Um, mm-hmm. What's funny is uh, I have a little story from that black Friday game. We were watching it on TV and I think my dad's watching this. So I'm sorry, but, uh, um, I learned a new word that day. Um, I remember he was yelling this one word over and over and over again. He was saying, um, ship, ship, ship. And I remember my mom saying, don't, don't repeat that word. He's saying a bad word. And I was thinking <laughs> ship, S-H-I-P. That's not a bad word. I heard that word all the time. I didn't quite really understand what word he was actually saying, but um, <laughs> that's yeah, kind I, of my, my main memory from that game. Yeah, yeah I, I learned that word and some others all the way back in 83. And <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny from one generation to the next, it's the same words, it's the same things. And it doesn't matter if you're winning or losing, you still hear all that, all that stuff. But, you know, yep. it's, it, I am fascinated by the fact that despite the, the lack of memories of, of greatness, now you had, you have, you did get a little bit of that Tiny in bit, yeah. 2001, but really despite not having as much of that, you have been the fan that you are. And I think that mm-hmm. that, that says a lot there is that it's, and being a Husker fan isn't just about going through championships and just watching championships. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, go years and, and didn't see one. I remember the the long 20 year gap. I mean, it was unbearable to fans from 72 all the way to, to 94. Like, Oh my gosh, are we ever going to win another one again? And Osborne yeah. can't win the big one. And, and uh, you know, and, and then all of a sudden he wins three in, in four years. And so, you know, it, 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 it just happens like that. But um you know, uh, it's just it, it is interesting to me to see how you've kind of evolved as a fan, despite not having that success on the field. Yeah, I mean, and I think part of that goes to, you know, when you're you grow up in just such a, you know, where it's everywhere around you. Mm-hmm. And I may not remember 94, 95 or even 97 that well. Um, but being you know even like getting really into it in 2001 2002 those championships weren't that far away at the time that it Mm -hmm. still felt you know pretty relevant you know like Mm -hmm. you know i still you know we had you know had a uh drawer full of uh old vhs tapes you know kind of the stereotype now is that nebraska fans have you know just like boxes full of old vhs tapes and we live in the past or whatever um Mm -hmm. in the early 2000s we did have that 
drawer full of you know vhs tapes yeah and i would watch those a lot and i watched you know all the 90s championships and things like that um i even had a thing for a while where uh net did that documentary um husker century it was like a three-part documentary oh yeah trev did uh, it trev was that's the, right yeah he was the uh announcer on it that's right i haven't actually watched it in several years but growing up we had a you know the three vhs copy of that um and i've watched that you know i watched that several times you know and i i like i don't know i i i've always been kind of like fascinated with the history too not just like you know the 90s but even like going back to you know like jumbo mm -hmm. steam and stuff like that oh there yeah. you go man you you've been watching some yeah. redcasts if you're bringing up jumbo steam that's <laughs> i i knew i knew yeah that would be a good name drop but yeah, yeah not just jumbo but like even kind of you know dan x bible um things like that as well so mm-hmm no, that's awesome. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, let's look at number two here. What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Uh, does anyone ever actually give you just one here? No, it's usually multiple <laughs> yeah. ones. And I, I'm cool with it. I love it. Okay, because I have actually a couple because, you know, I can't decide. Mm -hmm. um, I think my my first, like, big memory, I feel like, was the 2008 Colorado game with Alex Henry's 57-yard field goal. You know, I'd seen great games. I'd been to great games before that, but that was the first time where I really felt like I witnessed something big, you know, where I, it was basically the first miracle win I ever, you know, witnessed. Mm. And it was a uh, kind of a, a little bit of a funny story from that too, because we were sitting, uh, we had, like I said, uh, grew up had season tickets uh, to like way high up in the South end zone. And for that game, I remember we got two other tickets like in the um, West Stadium. So like I had a, I brought a friend and we watched like the first half in the West Stadium. And then we like switched with my parents and went to the South Stadium and uh, sitting next to us, like the people who always sat next to us in the South Stadium was like uh, this older uh, woman and her husband from Fairbury, Nebraska. I have no idea what her name is. I like, <laughs> she probably introduced herself, but you know, when you're a young kid, you know, adults names kind of go in one ear and out the other. Sure. Um, but you know, she was, you know, there for every single game, things like that. Uh, her and her husband didn't say a whole lot. You know, they had, they were the kind of people who had like the big uh, Walkman headsets on and listened to the radio broadcast at the same time as watching <laughs> the game, you know, live in person. Um, which is always kind of nice because uh in the early days of video review they didn't show the review on the re on the big screen mm -hmm. so like you know whenever there's a play under review you'd kind of like lean over to them and be like what do they say on the radio is it gonna is it a fumble is it not you know mm -hmm. like that but anyway they're pretty reserved especially the you know the woman who was the one i was sitting next to pretty reserved people you know we kind of lean over and talk to them every now and then but when alex henry made that kick something came alive in her and she picked me up like I'm in eighth grade at this time, like eight, you know, 14 years old, 165 pounds or whatever. I was a I played offensive line on my eighth grade football team. You know, so I wasn't a small eighth grader by any means, but uh, she picked me up and ragdolled me like just this sweet old lady picking me up and just like flinging me around like I weigh nothing. And, you know, and it was it was incredible. You know, it was one of those things where it's the first time I felt like. I'd witnessed something really, truly big. You know, it's the first time I'd ever heard the stadium roar like that. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's, that's a moment that will always kind of, you know, give you chills. So mm -hmm. I've um, always said, I've always said there's two moments in Memorial Stadium history that I can clearly remember that I wish I was in it and I wasn't. And that's yeah. the crouch catch in 01. Mm -hmm. And it's the Henry kick in 08 against uh, Colorado. Like, like, and that is the biggest selling point to, you know, for everyone that says, you know, I don't need to buy tickets. I, I've got a man cave in the basement. I can just watch the game on my TV. When that stadium is rocking, when there's a moment like that, you want to be there. And I wish I wanted to be at, at there. For, I'm jealous. I wanted to be there so much to see that uh, the Henry kick in, in person. So I, that's a great memory. 
Yeah, and I, I honestly had no hope of that kick going in more. And I kind of like, I know I'd been beaten down, you know, I had a, you know, my whole childhood was just, you know, letdowns after letdown. So I didn't have much hope that he'd make it. So it almost kind of made the moment more special when I realized like, oh, it actually went through, you know. Mm -hmm. so. And the game wasn't over. We had to, no, it wasn't we had to over. go back and out there course, on defense. And then, of course, yeah, Dominican Sue has his interception, you know, and there's another <laughs> just huge roar that, you know, you'll never forget. Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. So you said you had a couple of them. Yep. Um, uh, I will say I was also there for the Northwestern Hail Mary. Um, that was a really cool one. I was a freshman in college. Um, so that was, you know, me in the student section. You know, whenever you're in the student section for a moment like that, it's pretty fantastic. You know, mm -hmm. a moment, you know, that's really the second miracle win I witnessed. Um, and it felt a lot like the um, the Colorado kick, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of the same like motion emotions, a lot of deja vu or kind of like, you know, it just kind of felt like that all over again. You know, that's the first time since the 08 kick that I heard the stadium ro roar like that. And uh, yeah, you know, it was one of those moments where, you know, you're just running up and down the aisle, high fiving strangers, things like that, you know, not even sure what to do with yourself. You know, no one wants <laughs> to leave. So uh, but I know a lot of people say that one, um, obviously, I mean, for good reason. And then, but I, I'd have to say my all-time favorite Husker memory would probably actually be um, the 2014 Miami game. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I told you the story about my first impression with Miami fans. I remembered that, you know, all those years later in 2014. Um, so I was just super psyched out of my mind to see Miami come to town, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, uh, you know, I felt like we had a, we're going to have a good chance to actually beat them and things like that. But it was also the first game that uh, uh, my wife and I went to, to together as well. Um, we were, you know, we just started, you know, hanging out. I don't even know if we were, I don't even think we were officially, you know, dating at that point. But we just started hanging out and it was like the first game we went to. And it turned out to be, you know, one of the craziest, loudest games I've ever been to in my entire life, you know. Mm-hmm. So that always makes it kind of adds an extra layer of making it special, but also just the fact that I've been looking forward to that game for so long and it totally lived up to the hype 100%. Yeah. yeah. You know, you it know, was it, the perfect game. Yeah. It was the kind of team you wanted to have come to Lincoln. I remember in 07 when USC came here, that was a big mm -hmm. deal because USC doesn't come to, to Nebraska often. It was great yeah. to get them to come here. And then, of course, we, you know, mm -hmm. by the second quarter, the game was was out of hand for that Miami game, that's another one of those teams. And certainly anyone my age that grew up in mean, Miami, how many times we had to go down and play them in a bowl game in their backyard, in their home stadium, and to have them finally have to come up here. I wish it, I, my only wish is it would have been, you know, 50 degrees colder and they had to play in some real conditions. But, uh, but yeah. I think if, if I, if memory serves me correct, I think that's still the, the most attended game. I think that's the highest uh, attendance of any Husker football game. Uh, ever at yeah. Memorial Stadium it was like 92 or 91,000. Yeah, like it was, you know, pretty quickly after uh, they had completed the East Stadium mm -hmm. expansion. And uh, and then, yeah, like they ev every seat was filled for that. I mean, <laughs> they were cramming people in for that. And it was, yeah, I, that's the most consistently loud I've heard a Nebraska football game be, you know, from start to finish. And it was mm -hmm. a back and forth game. There were big plays galore. I mean, Kenny Bell had a really big touchdown catch to open it. And then obviously the big Josh Mitchell scoop and score hmm. was huge. You know, that, that was one where I didn't even like, it was kind of one where you just assume the play was over and then you hear like a giant roar. So you look back at the stadium and you see Josh Mitchell streaking down the sideline. You're like, what even happened? But you don't care because you're just <laughs> screaming too. So I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that game. Now it's, that is something that happens out mm -hmm. of these fan forms. Somebody will bring up some memory, some <laughs> game, something. And I'm like, Oh, I haven't watched that one in yeah. years. And, that Miami game, I'm gonna have to go back. That's one of those like kind of tricky, yeah. you know, tricky good games that have happened here in the last you know, yeah. 10, 10, 15 years. Yep. And the guy who uh, stripped that or who forced the fumble on that play, Trevor Roach, I actually went to high school for him with him for mm -hmm. a year um, at Elkhorn. So he'd have no idea who I am, but you know, that's another mm -hmm. thing I made a little extra special. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. let's go question three then. And uh, I don't know if Trevor Roach is one of them, but who are your all-time favorite <laughs> Huskers? Um. Once again, I ain't going to have several here, but, right. um, you know, Eric Crouch and Judd Davies were two, my two, you know, favorites, you know, from way back when I first became a fan. Um, but I really have a soft spot for running backs. That's probably my favorite position, at least on offense. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of that back to back to back, you know, 
years of having Roy Hallou, uh, uh, Rex Burkhead and Amir Abdullah, you know, three fantastic backs in a row. Like, yeah, I mean, I'd say probably Abdullah is my favorite of those three, but they're, you know, they're, they're one, a one B and one C, you know, right up there is kind of mm-hmm. my trio of like favorite Huskers that I just had the privilege of watching. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I really hope we have a kind of workhorse back like that again, you know, that consistent thousand yard back because I, I miss it. You know, it was fun to see Divino Zigbo have that season he had in 2018, but you know, I, I'm tired of having, you know, seasons where our, our leading halfback has like 400 rush yards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we'll get into this a little bit in question four as yeah. we start to talk about next season, but um, we may have a, a coaching staff that is going to dedicate the, mm-hmm. the, a run game to to help get running backs to those numbers. I mean, that's, a, that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Um, I'd also have to throw in just in Dominican too, too, because um, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> when you grow up watching a player of that caliber, how can you not, you know, the stats that he had, I mean, there was a point <laughs> in 2009 where, you know, he's, if he's not leading the country, he was at least in the top five in sacks, but he was also in the top, 20 of like pass breakups and interceptions at one point. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. The numbers that he was putting up and then what he would do against a team like Texas by him almost single-handedly at times. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, He was transformational. Uh, He was a generational player. I couldn't believe he didn't go first in the draft uh, Mm -hmm. just because I hadn't seen anybody dominate on the D line like that since probably Reggie White. And that was, that's how good he was. And he could have played any position along the line. Um, uh, sometimes where you end up going doesn't help you. And I don't know if being, you know, going to the lions probably wasn't his, his number one pick. If he'd have gone to a, a you know, a different program, he probably has a, a better career right off the bat. But I mean, look at him. He's still he's playing. Super Bowl he's now. So, won a Super Bowl. He's, played he's, still going, he's got a Super Bowl. He's, he's played in multiple Super Bowls. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That 2009, yeah. Texas uh, big 12 championship. I mean, that, that right there, if you would ask me, you know, what's your like all-time biggest heartbreak, obviously mm-hmm. for anyone of my generation, it's easily that game without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I even go so far as to say the 30 seconds where I thought we won that game mm-hmm. are probably the best 30 seconds <laughs> of, your- of my Nebraska fandom life because, I mean, I was just in disbelief. You know, we were in our basement. I was jumping and screaming. I think, I, you know, I, I jumped and punched, you know, the, the ceiling, you know, and I think I split my knuckles open a little bit, like bleeding, like just celebrating so hard for 30 seconds. And then seeing them put one second back on the clock and just, man, I, that was just, I mean, that, that, that was the gut punch of all gut punches. And I, know, I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I had trouble sleeping that night. I was so mad and in disbelief. Like, I, I don't even think I slept that night. I was just, ugh. Redcast Dave and I and our wives were at that game. We were at uh-huh. the twenty yard line, twenty five ish, whatever. And the ball, when he throws it out of bounds, it's in uh-huh. front of us. Now you know we're forty rows up, but it, he throws it in front of us. Uh-huh. And as best as my memory can be, is I can remember looking at the ball, but I can't see when the ball lands because it, it's in front of us and there's yeah, a wall and all that. Uh-huh. But it, when the ball goes away and I can't see it anymore, I looked over at the clock. And I still saw one second. Mm-hmm. And so my immediate, and then I saw the second tick off and my immediate yeah. thought was they're going to put it on. And, and I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that was me just being beat down over the, you know, they're yeah. going to figure out a way to, yeah. to do this. But you know, the team, the teams are running out there and the Texas guy behind me is losing his mind. And he was really cool the whole game. And then all of a sudden he became a complete jerk for the, those. Two. And I turned around, I'm like, dude, settle down. They're probably going to put a second back on my, my anger at it more than anything. Wasn't even the second we were basically kind of looking down the, the side of the field goal that he's going to kick. Cause I was convinced, well, Sue's just going to block the field goal. He's, he's incredible. He's just going to the game. He's had, yeah. he's just, he's going to catch the ball off the guy's foot and run it back for a touchdown the way I, he was playing. And, I saw four hands go up from the side, from a side angle. I saw four hands just grab him and take him down. And I know, I know it's hard to call that on a field goal, but it was so obvious to me. And Sue had been yeah. so dominant in that game that I, I thought that was as bad of a travesty as anything. I the the one second didn't even necessarily bother me because I almost thought, at least with my eye, I thought I saw it that way. Sure. But hell's bells. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that was right either. I didn't. Uh, but that that game. My gosh, the the walk down. They had the circular, these circular mm-hmm. walkways 
and the walk down from our seats. I mean, that was just, that was brutal. <laughs> so, yeah. Normally, the fan forum's a good fun time here. And now we've gone through. Yeah, some sorry, of sorry, I took it that direction. No, 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 no. I took it that direction. That, that's, <laughs> let's blame me on this one. But let's get to question number four, and this is where we get to start to prognosticate and look ahead. And how do you think the Huskers will do next year? Oh, it's always such a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I refer to myself. You know, my bio is a thinking man's idiot. You know, it's kind of a little <laughs> bit of self-deprecating humor, but you know, it's kind of a nod to the fact that. Um, we all act like experts all the time. You know, we hyper analyze this, uh, all the stuff as fans and things like that. And then we're hardly ever right, you know, and, you know, I'm guilty of it too. I hyper analyze, I, you know, dig into every, you know, press conference, you know, every practice report, things like that, you know, and try and feel like I got a good grip and then come fall, you know, we're all completely wrong, you know? So I kind of, <laughs> I kind of acknowledge that, um, that kind of, a you know, inherent, um, paradox of uh you know we feel like we're a bunch of uh experts and then what do we actually know so that's kind of how i feel every time <laughs> i predict a season here um because my goal is just to get back to a bowl game but that's been my goal for you know the past five years or whatever sure is just like just get to that sixth win please you know mm -hmm. we'll build from there i don't I, you know obviously in long term i want to see us win a lot more than just six games but for year one, it's just get to that sixth win, get to a bowl game. And I obviously, I think we're capable of that. I think we've been capable of that the last, you know, six years, you know, the bajillion one score losses. And that's not just 2021. I mean, that was kind of the pinnacle of that one score loss trend. But even before that, you know, we had a, a ton of games that could have gone the other way. And we could have, you know, we had the talent to be more, way more than a four, three win team. You know, we had, I think every single one of, uh, Frost teams had the talent to win at least six, if not seven oh, or eight, you know. Yeah, easily. I mean, a year ago, yeah. you win four games and three of them that we lose are games Northwestern, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. You have double-digit leads in the second half, and you just yeah. give them up. Yeah, and then Georgia also Southern. Be, yeah, I'll just beat Georgia Southern is what yeah, I was just going to say. Georgia Southern was clearly not a talent issue. That wasn't why we lost to them, you know. So, I mean, yeah, the, the talent – there was actually a discussion on Twitter the other day I saw where – couple of people are going back and forth about what the talent level of what do we have right now and you know oh, frost had enough talent to win six or seven we had more talent than six or seven we just yeah I uh, we found every way not to win games and and that's the maddening thing and that's what coach rule is, is here to, to fix is is to fix those mistakes and i like what you're saying here about you know it's important just to get back to a bowl game and mm -hmm. it's important to end some streaks that iowa game like last season is a great mm -hmm. example of what you were tweeting about last night about not giving up it, look nobody thought last year you know by especially by the time we get to the iowa game no one thought that mickey joseph was going to be the head coach nobody yeah. thought that most of those guys were probably going to be retained as coaching staff and yet you still want to root for them there's still value in every game because every game's an opportunity for somebody to show up that hasn't yet maybe a young guy that's gonna you know be a player for you next year or it's a chance to beat a team like iowa and even though it only sends us to four wins, it it ruined their season. They didn't get to go and play in the championship game. It ends one of those streaks. And all those things are important. Um, for me, what I've said all along, and this is right in tune with what you're saying, I think next season's about the race to six. We got to get yeah. to six wins. And, you know, I, I've said this a thousand times, but hey, if it takes us six weeks to get to six wins, awesome. I mean, I'm happier than anybody. We're six and oh, let's reevaluate our, you know, uh, our, our expectations and let's win eight, nine, 10, whatever. I'm, I'll never put a ceiling on this program or for five and six. And I was coming to town on black Friday. Let's beat them. Let's beat them for second straight mm -hmm. season. Let's get to six and let's get to that bowl game. But to me, that, that kind of that non-negotiable thing for next season, we really need to get to a bowl game. I just think that's really important. Oh, yeah. I think it's important for coach rule to show that level of success and stability in the first season um, that is a, a number, well, not six, but just getting to a bowl game. That's something that we've taken for granted here for a long time. That, that, that was something that, that was just a, you know, that's a, that's what Nebraska does. And, yeah. you know, it's only now this very recent thing of the last five, six years, we're all saying, it's like, can we ever get there again? Well, we can, but you got, it starts with doing things the right way. And that's what I'm, I really appreciate with coach rule so far. I just see them hitting the right buttons and, and doing the things that they think are important here, running the football, 
you know, the climactic conditions, let's get special teams in order. Let's get physical on the line, all those things. Let's get yeah. in our center. <laughs> yep. And th that gives me optimism that we will hit that six, you know, win mark this year, you know, I I've probably been optimistic every year, but you mm -hmm. know, um, I guess if I had to say what's different this year, it's obviously, you know, coach rule. And I feel like the uh, emphasis on development and not beating yourself, which is something I've just, you know, feel like I've been screaming from a rooftop for the last, you know, half decade and no one, you know, <laughs> no one hears me apparently. Mm -hmm. um, although, I mean, I think everyone's been screaming that and just seeing, you know, Nebraska shoot itself in the foot over and over and over again, you know, the worst possible time and just play, you know, some of the most undisciplined football you could ever, you know, imagine and things like that. And winning in the big 10 West, and I know we only have one more year of the West, but um, winning in the West is so much about not beating yourself. Oh. You know, there's, there's not a lot of teams that are just going to thump you with, you know, way more talent. There's no Ohio state, Michigan in the West, obviously, you know, those teams beat you by sitting around and waiting for you to beat yourself. A lot of the times, yeah. you know, a, lot, a team like Minnesota, Iowa, Northwestern, um, all those teams are teams that just play smart, disciplined football and wait for you to beat yourself. And we've been happy to oblige and beat ourselves, oh. you know, for years now. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, so the, I, the only loss that Northwestern has last year, the only <laughs> win they have last year is us. And to your point, it's an 11 point lead in the third quarter, and they just wait for the for the onside to come to them. You know, a yep. couple yeah, of games. Canada to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the end of the, the season the, the year prior when we lost Iowa for a seventh straight time, Iowa's offense couldn't do a darn thing against us, couldn't move it, couldn't score it. They just waited for us to line up in a punt formation. We have two different punters that year, a right footer and a left footer. Yep. And we line up in the wrong alignment for the wrong footed kicker for punter. Iowa, to their credit, notices that difference. They they send a blitzer yep. where we don't have a blocker and they block one for a touchdown. Yeah. Because yards don't yeah. win, points win. And uh yeah. and uh, you know, they figured out ways to score points on us. So yeah. I, I hear you, man. It's it's about fixing those mistakes and just oh playing disciplined football. And that's the thing I think that frustrates most Husker fans as much as anything. It's it disciplined football is something that we we've taken such a pride of for so long. I mean, that Osborne yeah. was that, I mean, you're, you're going to play four quarters. You're going to be stronger in a team at the end, but you're also going to just play good disciplined football. And, you know, we haven't seen that enough. And that's what I think coach rule. Not only is he tasked with fixing that, I mean, that's, that's what I'm seeing him really attack. Yeah. Yep. And that, that's, by far away the thing that gives me the most hope um you know when trev you know had his initial press conference after firing frost you know he preached all these things and that's been so you know just fun and gratifying to see is one just you know we we've heard so many people in this program say the right things and things like that but i'm just going to gush on trev for a moment because that was a guy i was initially really skeptical on to be honest with that hire you know it seemed yep. kind of like oh just hired him because he's a nebraska guy and it kind of goes back to you know that thread that we were talking about and probably going to talk about some more um but that was one where i personally didn't agree with that hire and but i was still going to support it and still going to like you know hope that he was the right guy and obviously the the jury's still out for for trev you know he's ultimately going to be judged for how the football program performs under him like every other athletic director but he has won me over it seems like every single move he's made has been the right one and he just gets it um and you know and it was at that press conference he was preaching like we need to you know stop talking about you know championships and just get back to doing the basic fundamental things we need you know a grinder you know we need you know, to be a developmental program. And he preached all those things. And, you know, I'm listening to that and thinking that sounds good at the time, but I also want to see some proof of it. And then, you know, he hires Matt Rule and Matt Rule, you know, in his opening press conferences, you know, says like the exact same things verbatim. And then, you know, mm -hmm. everything we've seen so far seems to be, you know, living up, you know, practicing what he preaches, you know, like the spring game. I mean, my goodness, that was awesome. You know, actually seeing us play actual physical football. Um, I'm... <laughs> And the fact that he, he said, alive. yeah, and he but said, we were, oh my gosh, yeah, the quarterback's like, <laughs> but awesome. the thing is, he also said that they were going to do it and then they did it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's following through. So as a fan, I think sometimes where we would get, you know, a little bit, you know, jaded over the years was it would be, you tell us something and then you don't do it. I can remember Mike Riley, yeah. uh, 
coming off of that UCLA bowl game win. And then the next, the whole off season, we're going to run the football next year. We're going to run it. We came out against Fresno in the first game, ran it like 59 Mm -hmm. times to 13 passes. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, man, he's, he's, he's getting serious about this. And they come out and they basically the whole next week leading up to the Wyoming game, when Josh Hallen came here, it was Langsdorf and him almost apologizing. Like we need to be more balanced and balanced. I'm like, what are you, you know, Good Lord, figure it what, out. Like, what this is what your strength is. What are you guys doing? But yeah. you know, to your point about there's a synergy between Coach Rule and Trev. And Trev. They say mm-hmm. the same things. I was just listening to a podcast earlier today, and we tweeted it out. It's a, it was a national podcast, and Rule's done a number of them. And man, he's so good on them. But he said, you know, we want to honor the past, but we don't want to live in it. And I think that's mm-hmm. so important as Husker fans. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I am. Just like you said earlier with Jumbo Steam and and all that, I can go back and and talk Devaney era stuff. I love talking Devaney era stuff. I love bringing Mike Babcock on the show, and we're going to do this this summer with. I'm going to bring him on again, and we're going to talk. Oh, yeah. I love Husker history, but we can't live in it. We have mm-hmm. to create new history, and that's the thing. That's the challenge for for Coach Rule as much as anything. And I I've brought this up that you know I've gone to the last two Oklahoma games, the home one and the one in Norman. Yeah, and the one in Norman. You know they were awesome. The first quarter, they they honored the the game of the century. It was the 50th anniversary of it. They brought in all the the former players. I mean, all the stuff that you love. And then by the second quarter, that's when they transitioned to here's our 52 guys in the NFL right now, and this is what they did last week in the pros. And yeah. and when I would go to our game this year against Oklahoma, we did the same thing. We brought in the guys from the game of the century, but it, we never quite got to transition to all the the recent success because it just isn't there. Yeah. It's not that we haven't had, we've had some good pro players and yeah. I don't want to say that, but, but we just don't have the the recency that, that OU has. We've got to start to create new history and, uh, and then honor the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, and I think it's really important that it was someone from the past, essentially like Trev who came out and said that, you know, I think uh, if mm-hmm. an outsider came in and said, you know, we have to stop, you know, you know, looking to the past all the time and, you know, and, or, or whatever. Um, I don't think it would be received quite as well, but it's almost like when it comes from Trev Alberts himself, you know, it just, I don't know, it, it seems to resonate just a little bit more because even, you know, a guy from the glory years is saying like, no, we not got to stop, you know, that's just, a great, that's yeah. a great point that, that I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that, that is a great point that, you know, when Icors comes in, Icors could say the same thing as Trev. Now he sure. wouldn't be able to do it as eloquently and everything, but he could come in and say the same thing. But it, it doesn't have the same meaning. You know, Trev's name yeah. is on the north side of the stadium, and yeah. uh, and there's a lot of value to a lot of people for that. But it, the other thing that Trev has done, whether it's through surveys or just listening to people, he wants to fix issues that people have. So hey, we want to bring Solich back. We want the old Hervey back. Maybe we want beer being sold at PBA. You know, he can't do everything, but he's trying. You can tell he's listening. And I, and I go back and I'm not trying to beat on Frost here for a second, but even the first season of, of Frost, the first off season, one of the big changes they made, and it was really driven from him, not from the fans. We're going to change serious. We're going to change the, the opening music yeah. to uh, the tunnel walk. And I was like, I was like, that's fine. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I don't really care yeah. either way. Some people are, you know, don't ever change it. And some people wanted something different, but it didn't seem like an issue that needed to be fixed. There was a lot of other things at that moment that seemed to be bigger, but it was like Frost was going to come in. I'm going to fix that thing. That was something that's been bugging me and I'm going to change it. I love Trev coming in here and he's like, I'm not changing anything right away. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to assess the situation. I'm going to let you tell me Husker fans. We don't have any of this. If it's not for you, Um, I'm going to let you tell me what we need to do. And, and, one by one, little by little, he's doing it. I, I, I'm just ecstatic. I think he's done an amazing job. Yep, I think I can't really think of one thing he's done <laughs> that I, you know, that I disagree with. You know, and I, and I'll reiterate, I was really skeptical of him at first. Um, and you know, even things like bringing back Blonde Hervey, you know, some an outsider might scoff at that and be, you know, see that as being like all living living in the past or whatever. Um, and um, yeah, it's definitely a symbol of a, a past era of Nebraska football, but, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you're balancing honoring the past and, you know, trying to carve out a future as well. And Blonde Derby, that's something, you know, a lot, a lot of people in this fan base just wanted for a long time. It was an easy win and he just did it. It was just a common yeah. sense, like super easy win. You know, why not do it? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, same with bringing 
Solich back. Maybe that's not as easy of a win, but it's something that so many Nebraska fans have been clamoring for for so long to, you know, kind of, you know, right that wrong a little bit or make amends, you know, and that's something I've wanted too, because I, you know, I, I was nine years old when Solich was fired and I cried, you know, I bawled my eyes out the day he was fired. I, I never agreed with it then. And, um, you know, I know I said I wouldn't do this at the beginning, but, you know, I was right. You know. <laughs> Wait, hey, that's a great segue here. Yeah. I'm, you're going to have to give me a, a couple of minutes to read this because I, I wrote it. I, I have it all out what you wrote. But uh, I'm going to read the tweet, the whole thread you did last night. And I think this is important to listen. Then I'm going to shut up and just let you talk after it. Okay. But uh, you go, I've said in the past, I feel there are many fans who would rather be right than actually see the team they claim to be fans of succeed. Uh, this guy is a poster child of that, the guy you're responding to. Being a fan is supposed to be for fun. If you're miserable when your team wins and you're miserable when they lose, you're doing the whole entire thing wrong. You'll never be happy except for when the guy you want is fired, if ever fired, or you want fired is ever fired. But even that is fleeting because you'll be just as mad and as indignant next season as the first sign of trouble, of struggle. And the, and the cycle repeats itself over and over again and you're still miserable. I guarantee you I've had more fun being a fan of Nebraska sports than you and any other fan out there who has become more addicted to their own anger than actually seeing their program have success, and it's not even remotely close. I have no problem with someone having opinion that that Bolt, we're talking about baseball here, but any mm -hmm. coach should be yep. fired. I'm not someone who thinks you only have to have happy thoughts and can never vent frustration. This stuff is frustrating. It's totally okay to feel that and express that. Just don't tweet at players. It's only when you cheer for losses, refuse to celebrate victories, and entirely devote yourself to being an obstacle for the program that I take issue. I've held, I've held this opinion that certain past Nebraska coaches should be fired while they were still coaching as well, but I still supported them. I still wanted them to succeed. I still hoped they would figure it out. I had no interest in bragging about how right I was when they did eventually get fired. Why? Because the decision isn't up to me, and I'm not qualified to make it. I've never become so addicted to my own opinions to convince myself otherwise, regardless of how I feel. Someone else makes that decision, and trust me, none of you are qualified to make it either. And I have no interest in treating them like villains once they were fired either. I'm sure you've had hundreds of thousands of people convincing themselves that you were evil because you dared fail at an endeavor in your life. You would sing a different tune. And we all know if you're the kind of person who cheers for the program to lose, you've experienced plenty of failure in your life. Hey, oh, I've never made excuses for any coach. I've never called for this coach or that coach to be fired either. I'm frustrated with the losses, but I'm still cheering for them. I'll still be cheering for this team until the season ends. I'll still be there this weekend uh, for the baseball games, Saturday and Sunday, and it will probably be freezing even. As long as uh, he's Nebraska's coach, I'll, I'll cheer for him to succeed, and even if he ever gets fired one day, I'll wish him the best of luck and still regard him as a great Husker he is regarding Bolt, and I'll support the next coach as long as they're leading the program. So you finish with this. You have two options as a Husker fan. Are you, A, going to tweet endless rage through an anonymous account, only ever acknowledging losses and dedicate yourself to letting something that's supposed to be fun make you constantly miserable? Or, B, are you going to support the program through good and bad, head out to the ballpark and make some good, sometimes bad memories with your friends and loved ones? I'll be at Haymarket Park this Saturday with my brother, sister, and dad. Then I'll come back the next day with my wife and son. I think that was extremely well written. We all cheer together in all kinds of weather. I, I just think that was perfect. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it was definitely something I was feeling in the moment just because, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, I'm a huge Nebraska ball fan as well. Uh, you know, I, I love that almost as much as football, you know, at the same level. It's, it's easily my second favorite Nebraska sport um, behind football. Uh, so I was very upset last night um uh with the first how the you know the postponed game you know the way uh nebraska kind of blew that late against great i was very upset about it i was not happy about it um and i do get angry i do get frustrated yeah. and i do get mad and i do at there have been times where i've wanted a coach fired you know in my personal opinion sure um and i think it's totally valid to feel all of those things um it's totally valid to be upset and angry and things like that where i take issue like i said is when you get so addicted to that rage that you can't ever even um, celebrate, you know, a win, you know, as mad as I was, I still tuned into the second game and saw Nebraska beat Creighton last night. You know, I still, and I still took, you know, some joy in that and I'm gonna, you know, continue to cheer them on, you know, the rest of the season, regular season, hope they get to, you know, into the big 10 tournament and make a run there. Um, and that's kind of how I see it, you know, no matter how I feel, 
it's not up to me. And I'm going to, you know, hope that the coaches, the players, whoever it is, get it figured out. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, as fans, part of being a fanatic, which is what fan mm -hmm. is short for is, I mean, you, it does drive you crazy when things go wrong. And then, and <sighs> your, your dad saying ship back in the day, ship, I, ship, I've ship. said ship a number of times too during <laughs> game. Right. And oh, yeah. you know, uh, there's reasons why we don't do a lot of rapid reactions is because, you know, I'm not, and I, I've heard people say, Oh, well, cause I want to see that from you should do a rapid reaction. That, that's mm -hmm. not the, that's not the kind of fan that I want to portray. I, I get yeah. why fans, you know, maybe at a bad moment, they like to, you know, they want to hear someone else go off. I don't want to be that guy doing that, you know, uh, on, on a recording. I also definitely don't want to be the the fan that goes on Twitter or social media after a loss. And we have a, a public announce public uh, service announcement that we have on a on YouTube. You can find it suit S O O T stay off of Twitter. And it's about a minute and a half long. Very funny uh, producer skip put together. And it's just, you know, look, if you feel the need to go on to, to social media and tweet at a 17 year old and tell them how, how bad they are and how terrible and we should fire everyone, you maybe just, you know, stay off of Twitter for the, for the next day. But um, you know, we started the red cast in 2017 in the spring so we started right after three months after our last bowl game against uh, Tennessee yeah. in the, the Music City Bowl. Uh, we had high hopes. And, you know, we were three games into that season, and we lose to Northern Illinois, and the athletic director's fired. Well, you know what's mm -hmm. going to happen then. I mean, there, there was no doubts. I mean, unless some crazy winning streak happened, you know that Riley's going to be fired. And yet I was really proud of us right away in our first season that we didn't sit there for the next nine games and say how we need to fire him you still root for the team because that, that other stuff's going to take care of itself. You sure. know? I mean, you know, we could win enough games, maybe get to a bowl game or whatever, and he still could be fired. It wasn't my job to, to make that decision. And, but I, it didn't mean that I need to root for him to lose, to get fired. I, I, yeah. I can't, I can't watch a Husker game and sit there and cheer for the team, not wearing red and white. I just can't do it. Yeah. And that's, the whole heart of the thread I was getting at um, because the guy I was responding to absolutely is 100% cheering for the team to lose because mm -hmm. he was full fired. Um, and the vast majority of Husker fans aren't that way. The vast majority of Nebraska fans will cheer on the team, you know, through thick and thin, even when they're upset, you know, even when they're angry, they're still going to show up and support them. And I was the same way in 2017, you know, I knew, you know, yeah. knew Riley was, you know, probably going to get fired, but I still cheered for the team. I still, you know, and I wouldn't have been opposed to it if he, suddenly figured out and went on a winning streak and did enough to save his job. And then, you know, figured it out from there. Like I would have, I wanted that to happen, even though I figured there was a very slim chance, something like that would, you know, I mm. still in my mind would be like, I still want you to do that. Even though I don't believe you can do it. I still want you to, you know, I, and I'm still hoping you do, even if I don't personally believe you will. So, well, you know, and, and you made yeah. the, the reference <laughs> earlier and, and, you know, as fans, we're always so right. Cause we, we study all this stuff and we're so right. Imagine, uh -huh. Imagine Riley winning enough to not get fired. Maybe he ends up the season eight and four. Somehow miraculously turns it yeah. out. And and then we'd have fans right now going, ah, oh, geez, if only he, we would have fired him in 2017. And if we would have just got Frost then, we'd be winning national <laughs> titles right now, right? Yep. I mean, because we know it. And sometimes the thing that seems to make so much sense, uh, it, it was hard to come across too many fans in 2018 that didn't think uh, Trev or, you know, that Scott was the guy that was going to be the guy to fix it. Um, I know some people can can claim that now and good for them, but for the most part, that was uh, nationally uh, yeah. hailed as a pretty good hire. And uh, you know what? It just didn't work, but it was, yeah. I didn't look at it as bad intentions. I didn't think that was a bad hire. It just, it didn't work. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, but they, you know, I think Trev gave him every opportunity too. And, and, yeah. uh, and, and I like I what we have Trev right now. Too, but yeah. And yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where people are like, well, um, you know, Trev should have fired Frost after 2021. And I was actually of that opinion too. Um, I, um, that was my personal stance was I, all right, I think it's not working. You know, I think it's time for Trev to, to move on, mm. especially, you know, three and nine at the, you know, still is like, is the worst record since the 1956 or something like that. Yep. You know, and I thought that's, that's hard to, that's hard to stomach, but, um, Trev made the decision to restructure his contract, which in hindsight, I think was the absolute perfect move. Um, but at the time, you know, I didn't probably agree with it, but, um, but once the decision to retain Frost was made, 
I'm like, I'm going to completely support Frost, you know, up until the day he's fired, you know, if, if he is fired. But I was like, I'm going to hope, even if I didn't agree with that, I was going to hope that he figured it out in 2022. Mm. Um, I, I, I was not someone who was going to go through an entire off season, you know, cheering for <laughs> this guy to, you know, to fail. So that way we, so we can get someone else, but, you know, so I stuck with him, you know, till the bitter end and, uh, you know, in, but once the decision, you know, after the Georgia Southern game, I think that was the moment. I think everyone knew that night was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's over. I was a little surprised to happen the next morning. I thought he was going to wait for the, you know, buyout to drop, but, but he made the decision when he did. And, you know, I'm, I'm supportive of it, but. That weekend we were so fortunate as a, fan yeah. podcast to have press passes for the for the mm -hmm. home game which yeah. is a very rare thing very cool that we were able to get that so dave and boomer were up in the press box for that game and then they were on the field after the game after the press conference and uh, we did a a kind of re a live remote post game show rob and i did with those two on the field and it was weird because i mean we all knew that something was going to happen but then it was also mm -hmm. i think this is happening tomorrow I mean, like it was the, oh, yeah. it really you was could, you that, could feel that. Yeah. it was that moment. I mean, I was in the stadium, but then also those guys being up in the box and us being down there in the stadium and just kind of the cumulative thing. It's like, this is going to happen. It's going to happen pretty fast. But, you know, back to the point of, I think this is an important moment in Husker history is, is October, 2021. When instead of firing frost, they kind of, they purged the offensive staff, but they, they didn't fire frost, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And he absolutely, based off of win-loss record, there's no doubt he, if he had been fired, no questions asked. I mean, his mm -hmm. record was enough of a reason why you would. I was happy at the time Trev didn't because what I thought was, I think Trev bought himself some time. He, Trev's very observant. He had yeah. only been in the job for six months, and it wasn't that Frost didn't deserve to be fired. I think he probably did, but I think that, that Trev wanted to give him another chance. I think Trev wanted to observe things for another offseason. And I think all of that learning that he did over the next nine months are things that came in when he started to create that value system he talked about when he fired Frost. Like, we need this, and, and I, we need to be physical. We need to, you know, we need that, a grinder. We need all these things. Those are things that he learned by, by not making that change. And I think, you know, moving forward, we obviously wouldn't have gotten rule if we had fired him at the time either. I think if yeah. we success and long-term success moving forward um it's going to be because there was a level of patience shown and uh, and then when it was time to do it because mm -hmm. i think if, we, if you make that fire in, in october 21 there there's going to be some divide in the fan base mm -hmm. by the time that he actually did make the change after georgia southern after I georgia southern there was no there was no divide <laughs> there was no divide and that's yeah. that's as big as anything that's his husker football ever since the solich fire there's always kind of been these divisions within it and trev one by one has kind of broken those divisions and then it culminates with bringing solich back and mm -hmm. right now i mean i i don't see a lot of division i see everyone's moving straight ahead now people can argue if they think we're going to win four six eight ten i don't care i mean sure, I, yeah. I don't care what people prognosticate on it's just but i think I very rarely do I hear someone sit there and go, oh man, we're just going down the wrong path. This is the wrong guy. We've, we've just totally completely made, you know, a huge mistake, you know, with, with everything. I, I don't hear that from anyone. It seems like everyone's yeah. on the same page and uh, you know, now let's get the wins. Yeah, totally. And uh, going back to the fourth question. Yeah. Six is the, uh, the goal, but it wouldn't shock me if they got to nine or eight, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the best case scenario, if, you know, if they play really sharp fundamental football all you know it all kind of sticks immediately and you know you get a little luck here and there it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't shock me by any means um mm -hmm. I'm, but i'm not going to go ahead and say like yeah we're going to win nine games this year because that's kind of set myself up for uh for disappointment a little bit um, sure well but, i think that that first game yeah that first game right away thursday night mm -hmm. in the twin cities uh it's going to test what our 335 defense is going to do because you're yeah. going to be playing against a you know, Minnesota, if anyone's ever going to line up when an unbalanced set with three tight ends on the field, it's going to be them. So right away, you're going to have to be able to, to man up against a, a power team. But if we can have success against Minnesota, a team that we were up double digits on going in the second half last year, and they don't have Ibrahim now, and their quarterback, who 
their longtime quarterback actually got hurt against us at the halftime. And then and the backup did better, but the backup did better. So, you know, that's yeah. the, that backup's going to be the guy starting now, but he doesn't yeah. have the experience of uh, Morgan who left after 32 years there. So, <laughs> you know, if, if we can have success there, if we can beat Minnesota and that's a, that's a tall tale on week one. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying any, I'm not making yeah. any, any guarantees there either, but if we can win that, I feel real good about the next three. And if we're four and oh when Michigan oh, comes to town in late in in late September, imagine what the scene in Lincoln, Nebraska will be like. Oh, I know. And that's the same thoughts. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And this gets back to the generational thing, whether you're my age or or we've had you know, one of my mm-hmm. favorite fans is Chaz and SoCal and you know, he, yeah. he's, he's older than us. Right. And, and Chaz is a great guy. And I, I love have I love talking with people of different time frames. doesn't matter what age you are. The, these shared moments as fans, Dave on the show always talks about, we have to have these shared moments where, where we have some success and you have a big game and, and it's the Alex Henry kick, or it's the, mm-hmm. you know, it's the Eric Crouch catch, whatever it is. Well, maybe it's the Michigan game. Maybe that's it. If we can get some momentum and we can and imagine a huge home game and imagine being a young kid and this is their first year watching mm-hmm. Husker game and they're going to Memorial Stadium and it's crazy like that Miami game was in 2014. I mean, that's what that's what I, I you know I'm hoping this that's what this program needs is moments like that, shared moments where people are like, yeah, this is a big deal. This is why Nebraska football uh, you matters. Know, is yeah. still considered a blue button. Why why it matters? It's because of moments like this. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, I mean, I mean, you talk about like, you know, like, oh, I was able to, you know, stay a fan, you know, through all this stuff. Um, but, you know, I had my great moments. I got to see some, you know, pretty decent football teams. Um, I really, really, really feel for the uh, people who are kids right now and have maybe never even seen Nebraska go to a bowl game or when they, mm-hmm. the last time they saw Nebraska go to a bowl game, they were very young. You know, I mean, that's just, and if they're still showing up and if they're still, you know, being diehard fans, you know, hats off to them. Um, I'll give a shout out to my nephew, my uh, my sister's son, um, and he. We take him to you know games every single year, and I feel so bad because it seems like every single game we take him to, they they lose. He went to the Georgia Southern game last year. That was what yeah. we thought for sure he's going to be able to see a win, and ugh, you know, but he's you know still holding true. You know, we yeah. uh, <laughs> we went to a, a screening last year of. Uh, Oh, what's that documentary? Oh, day days, by day, it? or day, day by day? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we went to a screening of that, and uh, you know, we took him to that, and he was, you know, he was totally into it, even though this is stuff that happened, you know, like twenty-five years ago, uh, yeah. thirty years ago, and he was, you know, totally enraptured with it, and you know, pumped up by it, and things like that, and you know, it is fun and cool to see, you know, and you know, hats off to every single person, you know, every single kid like him who's, you know staying strong through this just abysmal era of football and hopefully you know all that's rewarded soon and they get to see you know they get to see their alex mm. henry kick moment th- this year yeah. or soon you know they get to see their northwestern hail mary moment or their miami game you know yeah i mean you think about mm-hmm. like uh i feel for like someone that just graduated a fifth year senior and yeah. that you know those college years are so much fun i was in college from 95 to 99 really for the seasons and to not, I mean, we never saw a loss at home. Basically, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. until '98 in the, in the. Uh, actually, there was only one loss in my entire career, a home loss, and it was '98, the the homecoming game against Texas with Ricky Williams. That's it. And so, and those college years are so much fun. And football was such a major part of our college years. And so, I feel for those those people. And you're talking about bringing your nephew. I brought my. My wife likes to come to a game each year, but she, you know, she doesn't want to go to the top ranked game. She just wants to go in, you know, so I've taken her to games like Troy, Northern mm-hmm. Illinois in 2017, <laughs> Georgia Southern. Um, I took her to McNeese State back in 14 and thank yeah. goodness, you know, well, that had a happy ending at least. Abdullah, yeah. yeah, at least a happy yeah. ending, but it was not a, uh, it was not a fun way to watch a, you know, Nebraska McNeese State game. And yeah. um, I need to take her to apparently a better game or something. Cause right. yeah. But uh, uh, even even that, you know, I think as fans, a lot of times we're like, oh, we're the we're the problem. You know, I, I'm the bad luck. It's it's because I'm wearing these shoes or it's because I go to these games. No, <laughs> I don't buy into any of that. Keep showing up. Keep buying tickets. Keep going. I'm going to keep going. It's not us. Let's just let's play smarter football. Let's not make mistakes. And uh, and I think we'll uh, get these uh, L's turned around. 
Yep. And I mean, that's something, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I've tried to pride myself on just sticking with it because I don't seem to have much control over anything else. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I haven't even like missed a game since 2007, you know, wow. it's uh, the Oklahoma State game in 2007 was the last one I missed. I was a Boy Scout at the time. Someone scheduled a camping trip for that game. And I so I was camping and that's the last one I ever missed. Um, and, that's you know, a good I, one to miss. If you're going to miss a game, the Oklahoma State. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm actually I got that wrong. It was the Texas A&M game from 2007. I was at the Oklahoma State game. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah. But the Texas A&M game wasn't really any better. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I've kind of prided myself on that. You know, I've, you know, I, I, I sat through the Oklahoma game last year to the bitter end. Um, you know, that was, that was a bit rough, but, uh, uh, but even then I, I, there were, uh, you know, the Oklahoma game when the, you know, fourth quarter stands were pretty bare. A lot of people had packed up, but, you know, I think uh, um there was a family behind me, you know, with like three young kids. And I was kind of, it, it was kind of similar thoughts that I just expressed a few minutes ago of like, man, these poor kids, you know, they, <laughs> you know, pumped up for this Oklahoma game and this is the result, but they stayed to the end too. So, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that kind of gives me hope as well um, that, you know, eventually, eventually this has to be rewarded, you know, <laughs> we earned it. We've all, we've all you know? earned it. Husker nation. Yeah. Well, as is tradition on the Redcast and on the fan forum, uh, when we have a guest on, the parting shots, the the floor is always open to our guests. So, Jason from Huskerland, take us out of here. Um, well, uh, I want to see a ton of red in both Minneapolis and in Boulder this year to start off. You know, I mean, how crazy is it to have two road games to start off a coaching tenure? Very but I think rare. those are, I think those are both games over there is a great opportunity to have kind of a bit of a stadium takeover. And I'm, uh, I will be at the Minnesota one and I want to see a lot of red there. We'll see you there. We'll see you there. We'll be at, we're, we're going to go to both, but uh, yeah, we'll be down there to, at Minnesota. So that would be, yeah. so if you've never been to a road game, do it. It's, it's a, always a great experience. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, just fun to get out and see Nebraska play, you know, in a completely different environment. And there's something just really, uh, really amazing about when you do get to be a part of a stadium takeover and, you know, you get to hear a bunch of go big red chants and uh, faraway land. That's always something that really kind of makes you, you know, makes you, uh, makes your hair stand up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Jason, I, I appreciate that. I, I apologize at the very beginning. We had some technical issues and it was all on my end. So we started a couple minutes late, but, Jason, this has been a lot of fun and it's been a different kind of conversation from some of the ones I've had before because I like having you know, you brought a different perspective and and having someone that, you know, doesn't have the 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 memory of the the glory years but yet bringing the perspective you brought. I mean, my goodness, this has been a, a great conversation and I've learned a lot in the process talking with you. So I really do appreciate that. Also, you know, Redcasters, that's what this is about. You know, the fan forum we want to just keep pumping these out. We want to talk to a lot of people from different generations, men, women, tall, short, and urban, rural. I don't care. We want Husker fans from all over the place uh, because we want to show that, uh, you know, when someone sits there and says Husker Nation thinks this or Husker Nation thinks that, I'm always like, ah, yes, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of us out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Husker, Husker Nation's a lot of people. And, and, and it's great to get these stories out there. So anyways, Jason from Huskerland, I really do appreciate Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Absolutely. Well, until then, just remember, Redcasters, you too could be the next one to join us on the forum. A Heard at Sports Network production.